Welcome to Tech Talks, the technology podcast with David Savage and Jack Pierce, publishing on Mondays and Thursdays. This is the show packed full of interviews and debate with technology leaders for the love of tech. On today's show, we're talking to Lena Chan. She's the CEO of Adia, but before that, hello, Jack. Hello, Davis. Plans for the weekend? I know it's Monday's show, but we're recording on Friday. We lift up the veil once again. I know. Saturday for me is Bralentine's Day. What's Bralentine's Day? So, a group of girls that get together on Valentine's Day call it Galentine's Day. Yes. Bralentine's Day is bras, my bros, my boys. I know that sounds very preppy and collegey, but just go with it just for the brand name, just for Bralentine's Day. I thought for a minute when you said bras, it was like, what, lingerie? No, no, oh yeah, me and the boys are meeting up and we're just going to strut a catwalk in nice lingerie. Oh God, that'd be awful. I did see on Twitter that someone was calling it Charlentine's Day. Which is, uh, shall we have a curry and cuddle or shall we have sex? Okay, oh, nice. that, okay. Yeah, that's a good one. You know, should we do one or the other? Yeah, well, no, the Valentine's Day is us playing five-a-side football for two hours and then going back to my friend's house and drinking. Um, Shouldn't it be Brolentine's Day? It doesn't work as well as Brolentine's Day, though. Yeah, okay. But Valentine's Day was great for me. Rosie and I decided not to go out for dinner and just drank four bottles of Prosecco last night. So um, Four bottles? Between us. You had two bottles of Prosecco on a school night? Yes, very weird. How are you coping? We're, I'm not. <laughs> At two o'clock in the morning, we're talking about, do we double barrel our children's names? We don't, we're not even married. We don't even want to have kids yet. It's, that's ridiculous. And the answer was no. There's no hyphen going in my child's names. Well, hang on, what's Rosie's surname? Clift. Pierce Clift. Clift Pierce works, but Clift not Pierce Clift for me. Yeah, no. You're going to have loads of little savages one day, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bless them. Many, many years ago, uh, myself and Hayley were having a similar conversation and we both agreed that our names were quite boring so Savage and Roberts right and I very stupidly decided to come up with an anagram uh, a kind of a double barrel down anagram which was Casebo Barrett <laughs> and Hayley was like oh let's go have dinner with the Casebo Barretts and I'm like no no you have like Robo Sav I know Roberts isn't quite Robo but you're, you're techie enough now Robo Sav <laughs> that's awful I like it oh dear um, in, funny that you were talking about Kids and the fact that you're not going to have kids at your youthful age of life, and you will delay. Rosie will no doubt delay having kids for many years, given what we're talking about. Right? Rosie's career is at a much higher and faster upward trajectory than mine, so it would not make sense. And I think that's horrible as well that it's expected that the mother has to take all the time off. I'm a big believer in shared paternity um, and maternity. I obviously think the woman should have as much time off as she needs. Uh, but yeah, she's smashing at the moment, so. It's not, it's not on the cards yet. But as I alluded to, it ties in beautifully with oh, today's interview. Yes, seamlessly. I meant to do that. Actually. So I think we should give you some time to put yourself together uh, <laughs> so we don't need a disclaimer on whatever the hell is going to come out your mouth. I'm fine. Yeah. Um, well, listen to me <laughs> now. Um, this is all about femtech, female reproductive health. It's a very personal story, personal journey. Look, it's fascinating insight. Apologies for the slight changes in... Um, Sound balance as mm. we go through the interview. I was having to use two different devices for various technical reasons. The technicalities being that I'm an idiot. Shows how well you plan, though, Dave. You had to back up mic recording. Oh, I'd never think to do that. There we go. Uh, and stay tuned. Myself and Jack will have a chat afterwards on something that we're both obviously experts on. Uh, and <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <laughs> uh, and then we've got two articles for you. 
Today we're talking to, to Lena, the CEO of Adia. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. If people aren't familiar with your company, who are Adia? So we're, oh, we're Adia, we're a digital platform and we help women be more proactive about their reproductive health uh, by enabling easier access to diagnostic tests, uh, doctors, mm -hmm. and a wealth of education information. Now, obviously, this is audio, so people can't see the fact that you actually are pregnant at the moment. Yeah. Is this your second child? Third. Third. Yeah. So I'm guessing yeah. kind of that uh, wanting access and understanding to, to good tech to support you through this process oh is, gosh, is out seriously. of personal frustration. Yeah, yeah I could I could I, I mean, given that I'm pregnant now, I couldn't be in a better company um, because I get access to all the all the services I need at this point. But the company itself was very much born from my struggles trying to trying to have a family. In particular, if you, if it's not too personal, what what aspects of the process made you kind of come to this point where it's like, hang on a minute, something needs to be done about yeah, this? Because there's yeah. one thing, kind of having a few gripes yeah. versus you know what, I'm going to go build a company. <laughs> Well, so I mean, so basically, I had a few struggles when I started to conceive. So I, I didn't really think about conception at all during my t my twenties and even my early thirties, and always kind of had this vision that it would be easy. And maybe it's because I come from a family of four, my husband comes from a family of three. I always thought it'd be an easy thing, but when I started, um, I struggled to conceive, and I lost my two first um, uh, pregnancies. One fairly late stage, so it was a stillbirth, and then the second to miscarriage. And what I realized through that journey was just how women's health was extremely reactive. And it really boggled my mind that for a decision that is so important for you, where we're always taught how to prevent getting pregnant, but not how to plan for it and prepare for it. And during each of my setbacks, I really felt like I was always on my back foot. Um, and I just didn't have the right information. I was relying on Google. Um, and then kind of like the cherry on the top of it all was when I finally found a doctor who was very progressive, he actually turned around to me and said, I don't want you to try conception now. We're going to really try to get to the bottom of why this, is, this keeps happening to you. And he made me do a bunch of tests. And during those three months where we're doing the tests, um, he really had me focus on my, my um, physical health, my emotional health, building back my confidence, because at that point I had really lost a lot of confidence in me personally, kind of physically and just personally and he found out that I had a precondition. Right. And that was really difficult for me because I thought, geez, like if I had known I had this condition, could I have actually now two live kids with me? Um, and, and it was the first time that I thought, this is just so upside down. Why mm. is it that for something that's so important to a woman, we're so reactive? Why is it that a woman needs to like try for a year before she qualifies for fertility tests? Why do you have to miscarry three times before you see a specialist? This just doesn't seem right. Um, so, you know, I, it was kind of like it was brewing in the back of my mind. And finally, when I had my second kid, my second live kid, uh, my husband really pushed me because he was, he was, you know, he saw that I was so passionate about that. And um, I started coaching a lot of my friends who were struggling to, to conceive about the importance of preconception health, doing tests when you can. Um, and he said, you should try to set up a business that just breaks down the barriers and makes it a lot easier for women. Out of interest, this might be an incredibly naive viewpoint, mm -hmm. um, but the, the the conversation often goes that it is harder for women to uh, conceive now because they're often leaving it till later in life. Yeah. Is, is that true? Is that borne out in statistics? Yeah. Or actually is no, this absolutely. stuff that's, that would have been true in, the, in your 20s perhaps 
but it's just not no, discovered absolute, till later. No, absolutely. Um, there, there are two leading factors that increases um, subfertility and uh, pregnancy complication, and that's age and BMI. Right. So those are two main ones. Oh, I hate BMI. I always feel like it's ridiculous. <laughs> it always tells me I'm overweight. <laughs> you overweight. Oh my God, you're like the sportsman. Um, but it's uh, it's it's it, it, those are the two things, and if you look at the trends, yeah. it's just showing that um, complications on the rise because um, women are delaying pregnancy. So the the largest categories of women um, delaying pregnancies are those above the age of thirty. And uh, if you look at the trends in obesity and diabetes, it's all leading to you know we, there's so many more people who are overweight. So how does the tech platform actually work? So somebody who comes onto our platform, they sign they sign up for free. Mm-hmm. Um, they can order a test that they take at home. We're starting with fertility, but our idea is that we would then um, accompany a woman through all her different life stages. So we're starting now with fertility and conception. So we test six hormones. Uh, all by filling a really small vial at home. Um, the panel has been designed by our fertility specialist at uh, Imperial. Then they send it over post. We produce a really detailed report that gives them a, a very good sense of where they are and their fertility health. And then if you are thinking about conceiving, um, we have a whole program for you to follow. So we have nutritionist support, mindfulness meditations, and this entire time while you're doing the program, you can message directly with obstetricians, gynecologists, and fertility specialists. So you don't have to go through a GP, you can go directly to a specialist. I don't know exactly what the stats are, but I'd imagine, you know, 50%-ish of the population are female. And yet there's very, very few femtech organizations. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of barriers put in place for female founders. As yeah. someone that's gone through this process and built an organization, yeah. what were the challenges that you faced? Were those ones that we quite often talk about? Or were there, were there some challenges that you hadn't expected thrown up? My journey might have been slightly unique in the sense that uh, we... The, the business was born out of a couple of programs that were very pro-women founders. So when I first thought of the business, I got into a program at Google, uh, which was Google Campus for Moms. Mm. And uh, my daughter was six weeks old at the time, and I, I, it was a 10-week program, and I stepped back and forth, uh, and it kind of helped me put together this business plan. So I was very much in a women-centric um, uh, place that was helping me as a woman founder set out set the kind of foundation um, from there I got into Zinc VC which is an accelerator which with a social mission and their first mission was improving women's uh, and girls emotional and mental health so and I applied and I got into that program and what was neat about it was because, is that everybody in that program had that as a mission and it was a very women-centric mission again and it was about kind of leveraging the, the London um, startup system to build a women-centric business. So I was very lucky to have those two things to propel the business. That said, before we hit record, you described the support that you see from your husband. Yeah. And a lot of people have said that um, if, if women are going to be able to Compete's the wrong word, but forgive right. me for, for a lack yeah. of broader vocabulary right now, right. but yeah. kind of, I suppose, if they, if they are going to remain on, on parity in terms of pay with men and position yeah. within organizations, yeah. men have got to take up more of the slack when it comes yeah. to 
what you could traditionally class as, as female roles at home. Yeah, yeah. And you wanted to breastfeed your child to the age of one. You yeah, said there that yeah. you started when she was six weeks old. Yeah. So your husband had to come into that picture to allow that yeah, to happen yeah, no, beyond I, just the beyond programs. Just, yeah. I mean, that's that's one thing that um, I think it's, it's really important to, to, to make a point of. I mean, I was, I've, my entire entrepreneurial career was built during the years and months I had my kids at a, and they were all very young age. So Talia was six weeks old when I started this business and my, you know, sec, my first one was um, two years old. And my husband, he's always had an entrepreneurial background himself um, and I've always kind of been the steady income in the family. And, but he's always known about this passion of mine so he said, I really want you to work on this idea and I'll help however I can at home to, to make sure that you have the time and the space to do that. So it was kind of nuts for like, the first three months at Zinc. So from when Talia was six months to nine months, um, we worked out this schedule where you know, he was working a lot at home and I was at Zinc and we would meet halfway, I'd breastfeed her and right. he'd take her back, to, back, back home. Um, and then I go to Zinc and Zinc, the guys at Zinc were also like great because there were times that that wouldn't quite work and I was able to bring her to, to, to work with me. Um, but it, it required a lot of teamwork um, a lot of coordinating uh, and, um, and, a, and a lot of like just open-mindedness from, from the community around us and, and the people that worked with us. So how have you been able to grow the business in terms of its, in terms of its user base? Because I'd imagine because there's not a lot of Femtech products around, yeah. there's a real gap. Yeah. So I'd imagine word of mouth is pretty strong, but yeah. what, what are the kind of tricks would you, would you suggest have worked to help your business grow a profile yeah. that you would kind of um, point to for other founders to think about. Yeah, I mean, so for us, we really wanted our, I mean, so, so to two things, community and brand were the two main things that we really, really focused on in the early days. Uh, I, I wanted Adia to be very, very different from anything out there. Um, and, and I think part of it was because I had gone through the process and I, I like, a lot of the branding and a lot of the language really kind of made me feel worse than actually made me feel good. So, you know, when we were struggling to conceive, like reading fertility services that had babies plastered all over it, like that was, that actually didn't trigger something very positive in me. Right. Um, and, uh, and or, or just something that was just like so medical that it didn't really kind of allow me to connect as a person with the brand, also just didn't speak very, very much with me. So when we created Aria, I really wanted to change the dialogue around women's health. I wanted it to be more, more, more inclusive, more fun, more open, um, because I think when it comes to women's health, there's just a lot of old school medical, and, and, and it's already such a taboo subject, and that just makes it even worse. Um, so you know, you if you go on to Adia, like the branding that we've we've chosen, we we don't put babies on. It's all organic shapes. It's not pink and blue. Um, you know, they're, they're softer tones. And we've gotten really great feedback about that because we've been able to just kind of spark something different in women when they, when they interact with it. And we made a real point around building a community and the language that we use with the community and with the brand to be very empowering. Yeah. Um, so even if you are facing a challenge, just strengthen it. So like the word Adia actually means innate strength. Right. Okay. Um, so for us, it's helping women find this innate strength no matter what challenge they have. And I think that's what's really important because when I was going through all these struggles, um, I really felt ashamed. 
you know, like I blamed myself, I blamed my body. I, it was it was a very lonely process I went through, and and and, and it really can crush your well-being and your emotional health. Um, and I was lucky enough that I had a great support system that made me feel very good at the end of all of this. Um, and it, it, it's an aim of us to completely change that whole process to be one that's more empowering for women and a lot more open. Well, look, it's a fantastic message. So thank you very much for joining us and, and spending some time. Um, and good luck for the next few months. Clearly, <laughs> they're going to be very <laughs> exciting. I know. <laughs> uh, three, three kids and a, a, another business, yeah. which is another kid in effect. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, look, thank you. Thank you. So, um, look, I think somewhere to start, right? I hadn't really, I'd never really thought about it from the point of view of women are taught how not to get pregnant. And that's right. entirely true, right? Yeah. And, and I, was, I was talking to Hayley last night about this and our, a couple of our, our friends are expecting. So my best man and his wife. Nice. Uh, and apparently when me and James went to the pub, when we went to Lincoln last week, they had the couple from Lincoln. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah when yeah, we yeah. went to the pub to have a chat, the girls were talking about pregnancy. And they talked about this very thing. Yeah. That apparently, you could women can only get pregnant like two days of the month when they're at the right time. Yeah, they, yeah, when the egg. Yeah. No yeah. more. No more. <laughs> Don't need to go into it. Anyway, but like they're taught how not to get pregnant, not yes. how to get pregnant, and I suppose it makes sense to teach teenagers how not to get pregnant. Well, yeah, it's, 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 especially from a young age, I guess. Yeah. But um, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah, it's crazy. I mean. I think this is the arguably the I mean if you get really philosophical we're all on this world to reproduce right that's our core challenge activity that we're all here to do that's something that we that most of us are expected to do and it's bemusing to the point of almost being disgusting that there's just there just wasn't that support there for people struggling uh, and I like the point that really drove home with me was when um, it's right at the end of the interview so sorry for for anyone chronologicalizing this but she said that the fertility bro- brochure was covered in babies and yeah. if you're struggling to have a baby you don't want you want to read and learn more but you don't want to be you know that being thrown back in your face yeah i found it really interesting how they would she was talking about community and brand being keys to their growth and yeah. like you say the branding she wanted it to be different from anything else out there because when you're struggling to have a baby pictures of babies all over the pamphlet might be a bit short-sighted just, I mean, I mean, and Lena talks about it a lot you know mental health and well-being you know um, and, and bloody Nora Zinc VC yeah never heard of them they're nope. amazing an accelerator with a social mission that is dedicated to helping females mental health and well-being we, we previously just, knew of, of mustard seed as a as a yay for them VC yeah, and yeah. Now, now we can add zinc to that yeah but go zinc and I, I, I also love Lena's story about meeting halfway for a quick breastfeeding for the child and stuff like that yeah well, look there, there's a serious point in that right? absolutely which is that um, uh, we often hear stories and we, you know we've had um, Jessie on the show uh, multiple times she's spoken about the fact that as a journalist she constantly hears stories of female founders finding a male co-founder to attract investment or women hiding pregnancy yeah and that is wrong and terrible Absolutely. that women feel that way but equally there that they do you know she she really lena that is really beautifully articulates yeah. the fact that you need a community to support you it needs a really progressive forward-thinking husband to be supportive and it needs um work and and the working environment to be understanding actually to pull this off. Yeah. Because yeah. whether you like it or not, um, we, you and I, Jack, will never be mothers because we can't, and we frankly be awful at it. Yeah. There are some bits and pieces of parenthood that unfortunately 
are kind of intrinsically one or the other. So you are going to need that support network. But it's fantastic to hear that she is promoting that, that wonderful story of how she was able to work with a really supportive framework that allowed her to be both yeah. a wonderfully successful founder in her own right and a mother who was able to breastfeed and make that choice of breastfeeding for up to a year. I mean, it, 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 it never ceases to surprise me of a, of a founder's true story, of a founder's journey of how they got to their business. And like, I also think like Lena kind of is very modest. Like she puts a lot of emphasis on her husband helping her and stuff like that. And he, you know, he had an entrepreneurial spirit and startups or whatever, but this is all her passion. Like her husband saw the passion in her and that's all she needs to do is tap yeah. into that passion and then grow it out, you know, start this platform, start this knowledge share and things like that. And oh yeah, I think it would be totally wrong to suggest that somehow her husband is enabled and, <laughs> yeah. you know, that would be But there is, a, there is a give and take with them. There yeah. is a synergy there that made it work. And I think that's key in any form of life, you know, especially with your partner, whether that be a husband or wife or whatever, you know, being on the pain, same, pain sage, yeah. same page is important. We all need help. Yes. Whether we're male or female, whether we're parents or not, we all need a support network to achieve uh, whatever it is that we mm. want to achieve. And in the circumstances she was in, that was a supportive, loving husband and yeah. uh, um, a supportive, understanding and open workplace. It, yeah, it's, it, and you say it, she beautifully articulates it and it, you know, I listen. We listen to loads of interviews, and they're always very interesting. But this one actually had me smiling, sort of thing, like, in, in like cheek to cheek, sort of thing. It's just such a good story, and yeah, she she uh, hit the nail on the head at the end. You know, community and brand was so important to her, which is, I think, singing off of our hymn sheet there as well. <laughs> What's our brand though? That's yeah. What's our brand? Our brand isn't as strong as the community we serve. Our brand's probably... Try and get through a podcast. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Try, fake it till you make it, I think, is our brand. Um, and on that wonderful note, uh, <laughs> Lena, thank you for coming on the show. We will go to a quick advert break. When we come back, we're going to be discussing two articles. Although what they are, who only knows. <laughs> Farewell, but not goodbye. Do you know what that is? No. Bobby Robson's autobiography. All the Better, read by Bobby Robson. No way. Yeah. What a legend of the game he was. Exactly. It's a great book to read, but listening to Bobby Robson, talking you through his life, that's special. Exactly. My choice is uh, The Sisters Brothers, which is a film starring Jake Gyllenhaal and John C. Riley that has been released worldwide apart from in the UK. So I'm going to listen to the audiobook. If anyone's wondering why we've suddenly started talking about books, it's because if you head over to audible.co.uk forward slash tech talks, you can get a free month's trial there, courtesy of your favourite technology podcast. Get listening. Is it my turn to go first? It's definitely your turn to go first. Well, that's exciting. Um, you told me before we hit record that this was really boring. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's, it's relevant to what we were talking about with Infinity Works. Right, okay. It's just on the, on the surface of it, you're going to be like, oh, okay. It's not as exciting as Neil. No. no. <laughs> AWNS. Wow, new one. New firm. <laughs> AWS announces new bare metal instances for companies who want more cloud control. Do you know what bare metal is? Of course I don't. 
<laughs> You're talking on a tech podcast. <laughs> You're not supposed to be an expert. Not a clue. No. They, okay. it, a month ago, I found out what the Internet of Things meant. I'm still learning every <laughs> fucking day, all right? <laughs> so, basically, um, when you think about infrastructure as a surface... Yep. Um, surface? Service. Are you sure you didn't get through four bottles of no, second last night? I had one glass of wine. <laughs> you typically pay for a virtual machine that resides in a multi-tenant environment, right? Right. With us so far, Jack? Sure. Good. We've only had a sentence, I hope so. Infrastructure as a what? Yeah. Surface. No, surface. <laughs> that means, okay, yep. it's using a set of shared resources. For many companies, that approach is fine. But when a customer wants more control, they prefer a single tenant system where they control the entire set of hardware and resources. Okay? So this approach is known as bare metal in the industry. And AWS have announced five new bare metal instances. You were right. This is boring. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not boring. Because to Neil's point, yes. it shows that cloud is very much still vogue. Yep. That there yep. are a lot of organizations yep. who aren't trying to revolutionize, they are evolving their, yep. their services. Yep. Okay. But it also shows that if you want to uh, have that control, possibly unlock the data that you have within your company. So if you if you want deep performance um, analysis tools, if you want specialized workloads that require direct access, um, and, and you've got a lot of legacy that you need to structure, if you're gonna have successful AI and bleeding edge technology, you need your house in order. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. to do that, you might need more of a specialized service where you're the single tenant to be able to access that information more appropriately. I think, I. And I might be wrong here because I wouldn't. I'm extrapolating. I wouldn't be surprised. But I would imagine. <laughs> thanks. Most confidence. <laughs> uh, I would imagine that this suggests there is a slight step in the mm. industry towards a slightly more considered and thought out approach by companies to help them unlock the data that they have to implement properly some of the newer technologies that we often talk about. Alignment's cloud. Something that's just easier for thick guys like me to understand. No, 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 no. A, a specialised cloud that allows people to unlock the value within their organisation. It's interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting step. No, it is. Uh, what, what I also quite like, though, is this is in TechCrunch. It's written by Ron Miller, and he doesn't pass up the opportunity to take the piss out of AWS. Well, I'm all on board for that. <laughs> so five new products called M5.Metal. Right. M5D.Metal. Wow. R5.Metal. R5D.metal and Z1D.metal. Well, I like the last one. Really catchy. Z.D1metal. Yeah, I'll have that. Yeah. On toast. That's um, weird. Anyway, no, I thought I thought that was interesting, especially what Neil was talking about last yeah. week. Yeah. I think that shows that there's hopefully more of a thought approach going towards let's be able to access and use our data in a more practical way to get ourselves to the point in transformation that we're looking for rather than just everything goes into the cloud and then let's implement something and then like oh shit our data's not in the right yeah, anyway, we can't yeah. access it exactly. that's like Neil's it's listening to this so there's two people who find it interesting no offence Neil <laughs> well, you just said something there about it will give you the chance to control your data yeah access whatever yeah California governor wants you to get not you you don't live in California wants you to get a cut of the cash tech companies make from your data and it's not the governor anymore who is the Californian fantastic question Dave California governor Gavin Newsom 
uh, has asked his aides to create a digital dividends proposal for a plan that would allow consumers in the state to get a portion of the money that tech companies make from using their personal data. Now, before I uh, read the quote, uh, this was from Jennings Brown at Gizmodo. Gizmodo, okay. You are. Our technology just throws up all kinds of different content sources. Not just going on TechCrunch every day, Dave. Um, anyway, uh, so the new governor announced his intentions in his State of the State delivered on Tuesday. State of the State. Well, yeah, like state the, of the yeah, Union. The is, State is of the, the State. Right? Right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Come on, um, Yeah, sorry. Uh, companies make billions of dollars collecting, curating, and monetizing our personal data. Um, have a duty to protect it. Consumers have a right to know and control how data is being used. I applaud this legislature for passing the first in nation digital privacy law last year. But California's consumers should also be able to share in the wealth that is created from their data. So I've asked my team to develop a proposal for a new data dividend for Californians because we, we recognise that your data has value and it belongs to you. Now, before you dive in, there is the antonym point to this from the Centre of Digital Democracy Executive Director, Jeffrey Chester, who said the governor is off to the wrong start. They shouldn't be, tri- they, I guess the consumer, shouldn't be tricked into giving away their privacy for a small discount. Selling it for a few bucks isn't the answer and will make the problem worse. Dave Savage, thoughts? That's interesting. It is interesting. Go well, on, sort it. of. I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of a bit... So I kind of like, I like where he's coming from and I was like, I was all on board for it until this other fella, uh, Jeff Chester, said that it's going to create more problems. <laughs> you were all on board with it until you got a bit more info. <laughs> yeah, the, until I slightly started fact-checking it. But no, the, the, the premise is a nice premise, right? It's it, it, But I think what the, what the uh, opposite point was more like, well, Facebook are giving... Teens twenty dollars to use all of their data. Yeah, that's that's creating more of a problem because twenty dollars is not enough, and it's a, a limited pool of data that they're getting access to that grows and changes daily. I also think like who's gonna who's gonna advertise this to people? Right. Yeah, and who's gonna trust the California governor with everyone's data? I don't know. It's, well, it's probably gonna be the big tech companies going, "Hey, we can give you this." It's your data. It's not all of it. Though. It's gonna be packaged up in a way that makes people think they. You know, because to be perfectly frank, I mean, the Centre for Digital <laughs> Democracy um, is not going to be something that your average Joe on the street is going to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to go there and find out what they have to say about this. In the same way that... up on the door. All right, guys. Uh, yeah. And look, I, that might be like a really naive argument to say like, oh, well, people should do their research and they're not going to do it. But to be perfectly frank... Don't do, though. Well, I suppose it's like the terms and conditions that we all click through without ever thinking about it. Like, God knows. So, here we go. Go on. Yesterday, Hayley um, said to me, I've got something that's come through the post from Loaf, Sofas. And I was like, right. He said, I was only on their website two days ago. I was See? like, right. It's like, how, how did they get our address? It's like, we well, well, could be that, but more likely she's ticked a box somewhere where yeah. she's given consent for details to be shared yeah. for marketing, whatever else. Yeah. The amount of times we just click things without reading them, like I, this is all great, but unless unless the issues around regulation and legislature are made accessible to people in a way that truly engages them, it, it doesn't really matter. I think like the language in terms of additions documents needs to be disrupted. Or we all need to have a nice little AI bot that can comb through and figure out what the pertinent points are. It's a fucking business idea right there, Dave, actually. 
sorry, can you cut that out of the podcast? <laughs> create a little AI bot that every time we, you know, have to review something cookies wise or terms wise, the AI, right, Jack, this is this is the worry for you. A- gonna... AI lawyer for dummies. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the thing is, though, I, I genuinely think with regulation, it's going to be kept deliberately opaque yes. because it's in the interests of big tech to be kept opaque. Yep. And actually, if that's the case, nothing will ever change. It, it, we need to be this. This needs to be given to people in layman's terms so they can yeah. actually get their head around it. Hundred percent. I mean, and that's what I get from that. Great, great, great point, Governor, new Governor. But you know, Arnie. So insightful, Jack. Very much insightful. So I was reading the other day. Chris Pratt has got married to Arnold Schwarzenegger's daughter. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I love Chris Pratt. Apparently, he's a bit weird. Oh, I believe that he lived in a van for about until he was twenty-five in Hawaii. I think. Oh, he's gone all like super religious. Or something. Oh, he's always been very religious, and he Has also he? he also is um, he also is big into hunting. Um, I just think it's, he's up, he's had a middle America upbringing, I think. But no denying, he said the funniest improvised line on any sitcom ever in Parks and Recreation. Leslie Knope, the uh, played by Amy Poehler, who's playing his boss, has the flu. And he's uh, sitting at a desk, and someone goes in to see uh, Leslie Knope, like, right, we're going to take you to the doctors. Uh, and as, as they're walking out past Andy's desk, Andy goes, Leslie, I, uh, I, I typed your symptoms into the search bar up here, and it says you've got network connectivity problems. Right, we're having a conversation. It wasn't about... online, it wasn't plugged in. We're yes. having a conversation about Chris Pratt. We should wrap up. Yeah, probably. Enjoy your week, folks. Thanks, guys. Thanks.